Well, hello and welcome to the Bible Breakfast, but at lunchtime. Uh, my name is Andy. It is great to have you with us today as we spend some time in God's Word. Uh, it's great to be back into the Bible Breakfast uh, in this new time slot. And I better do a big welcome to uh, Kat and to Ella. Welcome, guys. Hey. Hi. I'm, I'm Ella and that's Kat or wherever she is on your screen. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's that way is that Kat way. and then down there is Ella. Yeah. Uh, it's great. Uh, yeah, we, we did this last year through our, our big lockdown of, of 2020 and, well, we're back in lockdown. So <laughs> uh, we thought we could do some do with some encouragement. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time, if you weren't with us last year for Bible Breakfast, uh, a reminder that our purpose today is to uh, help focus our lives on Jesus every day. Uh, now, we only do this once a week with, with Bible Breakfast uh, on a Wednesday, but Jesus is God uh, every day of the week. So, um, yeah, we hope that today is really encouraging for you, um, that will help you connect that a little bit further with Jesus, wherever you're at with him, whether you're um, just maybe this is the first time you'd be uh, exploring the Bible or maybe if you've been exploring the Bible for a really long time. Um, yeah, we hope it t- helps uh, explore a bit more about who Jesus is for you today. Uh, speaking of today and the Bible and Jesus, uh, our passage today is in the YouTube description, um, but we'll be looking at Luke chapter 6, verses 1 to 11. Uh, so it'd be great to have your Bibles uh, ready um, and available. And um, yeah, we'll be we'll be reading that in just a moment. If you don't have a Bible, you can get one for free. You can go to bible.com and read it online or let us know in the chat. If you would like a free copy, I'd love to send you one, uh, a hardback copy. So just let us know. You can connect with us on our website as well at stjohnsdc.org.au. Uh, having said all that, uh I guess, uh, oh, we've got to encourage people to engage in the chat. We would love to hear your thoughts as we go um, and to, yeah, have that interaction back and forth. If you've got a thought or an answer to one of the questions we pose, pop it in the chat, say hi, let us know that you're watching and, um, yeah, just encourage each other that way as well. Uh, we also encourage you, don't feel like you have to sit and watch us uh, over the next half hour uh, because screen fatigue is a real thing. Um, I'm feeling it. I'm sure you guys are as well, that um, we're spending all our days on screens. And so, yeah, maybe you're just having lunch. Just pop your phone down and listen uh, to our discussion and pick up the phone just to engage in the chat and then pop it back down again. Um, We did this last year as well. I'm actually going to commit to it from day one. We're going to pop this on our podcast feed as well. So if you want to have a listen later on, that'll be available uh, sometime in the next few days (laughs) i'm not going to commit to when that's going to be available but you can subscribe to st john's diamond creek on all of your favorite podcast platforms and you'll be able to find the audio of this on there as well Uh, as we start now uh kat why don't you lead us in our prayer sure thing let's pray heavenly father give us wisdom and understanding as we listen to your word may we know you better love you more and learn to please you in all we do Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. And Ella will read us our passage today. Awesome. Um, So I'm reading from the NIV um, and it's titled, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. So it starts, one Sabbath, Jesus was walking through the grain fields and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, Why are you doing what is unlawful in the Sabbath? 
Jesus answered them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, taking the consecrated bread. He ate what is lawful, only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he could heal, he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. Fantastic. Thanks, Ella. Uh, and one thing we like to do initially when we start uh, after we've read the passage is to retell it. It helps us to sort of reframe it and, and make sure we understand it in our own thoughts and head. Uh, so Kat is going to do that for us. So Kat, um, yeah, what do you take from the story? Sure. Um, yeah, so basically it just seems to be we're getting told about a couple of different days um, of just stuff that Jesus and his disciples were doing. Um, so it points out that on one of the days um, that was a Sabbath day, um, they're going for a walk through some grain fields and they start eating some of the grain. Uh, and then um, they sort of get challenged about it. And he tells uh, Jesus answers by telling some story about David and eating food in the temple. Uh, and then we switch to a, a different day, which it also tells us was a Sabbath. Uh, and that there's a man there um, who has a shriveled hand and uh, there seems to be this thing going on, you know, is Jesus going to do something or not? Um, and so he he heals that man. Uh, and the response to that seems to be that, um, yeah, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, so those uh, two groups, um, were furious um, about it and obviously specifically furious at Jesus. Mm. Yeah. What a story. Uh, so what does this passage teach us about Jesus and God? I think one of the first things that kind of stands out to me in this one is he's not afraid to challenge us, um, mm -hmm. both, both in his actions but then also in his response when people, I guess, challenge him, which is interesting. Yeah, I was going to say something similar, Kat, about how Jesus really challenges in in different ways to what we would imagine. Like Jesus doesn't. The, the kind of stance that I see Jesus take isn't one of accusing. Like I think we, um, Jesus seems to ask questions and do things differently rather than being like, you Pharisees are focusing too much on this thing or like mm. that. That kind of Jesus seems to go like you love people and then ask other people questions about it. Um, mm. And that really stands out. Yeah. 
I feel like we need to talk about what a Sabbath is and why it's important. That's true. Yeah. Do you want to give us a, mm. a quick recap on that, Ella? Yeah. So um, you guys can fill stuff in if, if I miss anything. But basically, um, in in Genesis, um, it talks about God creating the world. Um, and in the story of God creating the world, um, there's... Uh, on the seventh day, God rests. Um, and God then um, encourages his people, the Jews, to um, continue to keep the seventh day um, as a rest day, um, which is called the Sabbath. Um, and, yeah, this is a big thing in the Jewish tradition. Um, it's a way of recognising that God is enough. Um and that they can take the, that opportunity to rest. Yeah, um, one of the other things that I really like about Sabbath is um, some of the history of it is that the um, the Jewish people, Israel, uh, were slaves for like 400 years in Egypt. And so one of the first things God actually gives them when he brings them out of Egypt is he says to them, I want you to have this Sabbath, this day of rest. And um I thought it was really beautiful when uh, we learned this in something called the Bema podcast, which a few people from our church are involved in listening to. And um, they talk about the significance of it because here was a people that for 400 years have worked every minute of every hour of every day and their entire value and identity has been how many bricks they can produce. Mm. That's all they're good for. That's that. That's the entirety of their life's purpose. And so God, uh, they talk about um, you can take the slave out of slavery, but how do you take the slavery mm. out of the slave? Mm. Um, and it's this really beautiful gift that God gives to his people um, of saying, actually, on a day where you achieve and produce absolutely nothing, you still have value and worth and you still mean something to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it's I, I guess it's important because it would be easy to think from reading this passage, it could be easy to fall into the trap of thinking that Jesus is saying the Sabbath doesn't matter, mm-hmm. um, but he's definitely not. And I think there's actually some legitimacy to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law being mad at him about working on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, yeah, that's a great, great explanation of the Sabbath. Um, uh, it's interesting that you finished that point with that cat about the, the justification of the, the Pharisees and teachers of the law. I was actually going to point out the thing that um, that I, I like about this passage and I, I think it shows it's about Jesus is um, that he, he wants to reclaim the Sabbath. And I think it's a classic Jesus moment when he is pushing back against the, the Pharisees and teachers of the law who have like their only move basically is to add things to the Bible and to, to the Old Testament and God's law. They just add things. You know, so this is work and this is work and this is work. Um, and so you can't do any of that. And so I think it's that classic Jesus moment where he's like, what are you talking about? Like I'm going to mm. heal if I've got the choice to heal someone or to not heal someone. Mm. I'm going to heal them. Like, like healing someone shouldn't be counted as work, as something you should rest from on the Sabbath because it's a good thing. Like, yeah, it, um, it just, yeah, it, it just, it's that classic Jesus moment of, of pushing back on um, the, the people who are going over the top with their, um, 
the legalism and and all the rules and stuff. Um, I th- you're definitely right that um, you know the Sabbath is important, and is, even as Christians, you know, not being under the Jewish law, the Sabbath is actually still a really good idea and a good structure. Um, but yeah, the, like the Pharisees just obviously take it way too far um, as they like to do. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and I really, I really love that that bit that um, Jesus says to them, and he says. Um, um, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save yeah. life or to destroy it, which is what you were just getting at, Andy. Mm. And I think, yeah, like it's a question um, like for us, like I know um, I've been um, trying to get into the practice of having a rest day once a week, like sort of Sabbath day, I call it a rest day, and I have a couple yeah. of other friends who have been doing it too. And it's really interesting to sort of wrestle with, well, like what do I consider work and mm. what do I consider rest? And it looks different all the time. Um, but, like, I think one of the things that's been helpful is actually thinking about this story and going, well, um, you know, what what's life-giving? And mm-hmm. so for me, like, I really enjoy gardening. A lot of people would consider that work and would be very happy to take a break from it for their rest day. But for me, I could spend the whole day in the garden and that would be a great day of rest for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, nice. I was reminded, and I didn't, I didn't look this up beforehand. So this is going to be all over the shop. I can't, <laughs> I can't remember if Jesus said this or if it's even in the Bible. I think it is. I feel like it is. But when he says, because um, uh, the Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. Yeah, might be in another retelling of this story. In I, I feel like it is. Yeah, yeah. I should look this up, but. Anyway, that's not the point of this. This isn't a deep and um, deeply rooted in theology. This is just a a 30-minute conversation, top of mind thoughts. Uh, Yeah, but it reminded me of that. And it's it's like, yeah, classic, um, yeah, great teaching. And and it's, yeah, the idea of a Sabbath is is to have rest um, Mm. and to recharge and to, you know, reset yourself and refocus on God, Um, not not the other way around. It's, you know, the point of the Sabbath isn't to do the Sabbath so you're more holy or anything like that. It's it's there for us. Like it's, yeah. Um, yeah, we, I think, um, sorry, I'm probably jumping to our, our next kind of discussion point about what it fine. teaches we can us jump. about people. Yeah. But um, it's this thing I was actually reflecting on. I was wondering, you know, we often get given these good gifts from God and then, we have a habit of changing them into something else. And I've heard the expression before, um, taking a gift from God and making it God. So like mm. idolizing it. And I was yeah. sort of wondering, like, I wonder, do, do we, do they, are we almost seeing a point of like idolizing yeah. Sabbath yeah. as opposed to receiving it as this generous gift from a good God? Um, what does idolizing mean, Kat? Um, so it means kind of putting something out of its proper place. So um, God talks about uh, a really important thing about following him is uh, that he's number one. And so mm-hmm. kind of anything that you put in the number one place in your life becomes an idol. Um, so idols historically are a thing that people worship. Um, and so, yeah, it's like it, it's putting something in its improper place. And so you're taking this gift that God's given and you're saying, oh, well, I'm actually going to think that this is more important than my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So like what Andy was just saying about like potentially the trap of falling into 
oh, I need to do Sabbath to be more holy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's not what God meant it to be. Like you've you've warped it and changed it into something else, and you've made the concept of it more important than what it's actually meant to have been. Yeah, that sounds like it's really warped it because if you're doing Sabbath to be more holy, the whole reminder of um, actually your value is not in what you do is kind of it's lost. It's changed its meaning completely. It's flipped it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, well, I mean, we can formally move into the, the second part of our discussion, which is what does uh, the passage teach us about people? And, yeah, I think that's a great point about flipping things. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't want to sound too judgmental towards, you know, it's not a generalisation to um, the broader population, but um, I feel like there's something in there about, the Pharisees, um, like not wanting Jesus to heal this paralyzed or this, you know the man with the shriveled hand because it wasn't the right thing to do. And I don't, I don't know where, I don't know where this is going, but yeah, it's like it's almost is it almost selfishness that the the Pharisees were like, this is the rule. It's legalism, I guess, but this is the rule, and so don't don't break that rule to help that person. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know where I'm going with that, but um, it's that that idea of this if this is the way that we do things, um, and so if you're pushing back against that, that's that's the wrong thing to do, even if the intention and the outcome is is a positive one. Um, which I think we all can agree healing a man's shriveled hand would, would be a good thing. Um, yeah, it's that it's, – it's like an us and them thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm losing my thought the more I talk, <laughs> so maybe I should just stop talking. Yeah, I think, like, what, what you're identifying, Andy, is that um, the Pharisees are, are – prioritizing their own idealistic idea of what Sabbath should be and forgetting about the person in front of them. Mm. Like like they're making this situation about their own ideology rather than seeing someone who has the opportunity to be loved and healed and and someone whose life is being transformed. yeah, yeah, they're not they're not seeing that person. They're they're losing yeah. the person in the rule. Yeah. And that person, like I, I assume because of his deformity, this man with the shriveled hand may well have been someone who was marginalized and not allowed in the temple. I'm, like, mm. I'm guessing, mm. but I imagine that this is probably quite a marginalized person. So I think what we're seeing is the Pharisees having an ideological ideology and not loving this marginalized person Mm. right in front of them yeah yeah absolutely makes me interesting oh go cat oh sorry i was just gonna say it's interesting too because like at this point um in like the story like chapter six so we've jesus has done a whole lot of things before this like Mm. 
Um, mm-hmm. He's been going around healing people. And so it's not like this is the first time they've seen it or heard about it kind yeah. of thing. So at this point, like you've already got these people who, who, are, who are watching him and paying attention because it specifically says, um, uh, uh, you know, they, um, they were looking for a reason to accuse him. So they watched him closely. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, like it's just interesting had anyone else done it, would they have had a similar response or is it because it's Jesus Mm. um, and he's kind of ruffling feathers? Because I guess, like, um, the only people we're told were furious are the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Um, And, you know, these were people who had some authority and, and had a bit of control and were in charge and so... Um, yeah, I suppose they're they're not particularly enjoying that someone's coming in and Mm. shaking things up a bit. Uh, But, again, like I think it would just, like it would be really interesting to know, is it just them being arrogant? Is it just Mm. them being selfish? Is it, Or are there actually some, like, legitimate things going on there of, like, oh, you know, don't challenge the status quo, you'll mess up our whole kind of system and our society and our cohesion and, mm. you know, all these sorts of things. Um, yeah, yeah, because it, really, it doesn't really tell us any of that. Mm. It just says mm. that they were unhappy about it. Mm. But I think, yeah, it obviously does show what their priorities are. Their priorities are still all of those things over the actual well-being of this, this person. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I de- definitely reckon there's probably a bigger story to mm. to the Pharisees and their kind of motivations in this as well. Yeah. Yeah. There, I was reading something the other day that was talking about um how, how the Pharisees got a really bad rap. Mm. And and like like they, you know, these these are people who love God and were trying to be faithful to the best of their ability. And yeah, they got they got a lot of stuff wrong, um, but I mean we get stuff wrong all the time too. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was just interesting to take that that stance where you know all through the Bible we sort of see the Pharisees as as the bad guys um, mm-hmm. through so much of it, and and to a certain extent, rightfully so. Um, you know they're they're the ones that crucified Jesus, but if they weren't the bad guys, then. Jesus wouldn't have been crucified and, and like, it was all part of God's plan, right? So, anyway, that's tangential to this passage, but... Um, I think I think it's yeah. important what you're saying, though, Andy, because, um, and Ella might be able to help me out here, but, again, in um, this study that a few of us have been doing called the Baymar mm-hmm. podcast, right at this moment we're actually learning about these different groups, and so we've just done one learning about the Sadducees and we haven't done the Pharisees yet, which is unfortunate timing. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it's like it's just really interesting because one of the things he points out is we often lump all these groups together, but they're actually all very, very different. Mm. Um, And so even like in here we've got Pharisees and teachers of the law. They're actually very, very different groups. And Mm. so um, and I think why why that's interesting and how... um, how it kind of relates to the the different things we're talking about today of, you know, what do we learn about God and people and how does this make any sense in our lives? One of the things they draw out in that discussion is when we see Jesus's interactions with each of these groups, there are parts that he challenges and there are parts that he affirms in the way that they, they um, you know, 
engage with their faith. And I think that's, yeah, it's really important because it's very easy to just say, oh, well, the Pharisees are bad. Yeah. But, um, yeah. you know, God loves them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the fact that, you know, we hear that God uh, God is, um, you know, he disciplines those he loves. Mm. Um, like I, I would say that's part of what's going on here. Jesus is showing love to you know, the person that he's healed, but he's also showing love to the Pharisees by wanting to change their perspective and their understanding mm. and, and like you said, reclaim Sabbath and say this isn't what it, what you've made it. It's meant to be this gift. Mm. Let me help you bring it back to be this good thing that it was intended to be. Mm. Um, and that's actually a really significant act of, of love. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, all right, we are down to our final five minutes of Bible breakfast, but at lunchtime. Uh, so how should this passage affect the way that we live? Uh, I've gone over a lot of detail here. So, yeah, what are, the, what are sort of the key takeaways this week to, um, yeah, to be living out? Um, I think one thing that stood out from our discussion for me is seeing a person in front of you. Mm. Um, I think that's really big when we kind of like come out of our own ideas of what should be happening and how this mm. should be working, seeing the person in front of us in the situation they're in and how we can be bringing life to that person um, is really big. Mm. I Yeah, that's been really big for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's right, Ella, like, we can be so caught up in in the the task at hand or the way we've always done things or, or whatever. But yeah, I mean, Jesus says the two biggest things: one, love God; two, love others. Um, and and we so easily forget that. That's <laughs> like, come on, <laughs> it's the second most important thing God, uh, Jesus says for us to do: uh, it's to to love uh, other people like we want to be loved. Um, yeah, and I think, I think the other part of that is just not, not getting tied up in, you know, traditions or expectations, um, and, and not letting that hinder the way you might, uh, serve someone better or serve, you know, love someone better. Um, you know, and that, that might be a whole range of, um, ways that that happens in your, your own life, but, um, yeah, I guess just being aware of it, being aware of those inherent um, uh, biases isn't the word I'm looking for, but those inherent like um, things that you hold on to that perhaps you are in danger of becoming an idol for you that mm-hmm. could stop you from um, from serving someone else. Yeah, can I put that in a practical way? Go. I've yeah. been thinking recently lots about. Um, how we as church people can be loving neurodiverse people. Um, mm. Sometimes we have an idea of what, um, yeah, what life looks like in our heads um, as neurotypical people mm. um, and it can be really easy to kind of put that onto a neurodiverse people mm. and not kind of see where their needs are in that mm. um, and not recognise who they are as a person aside from our own ideologies and what we think and our experiences and our traditions of doing and ways of doing things mm. um just been really big so that might be one example of it yeah yeah that's a great example yeah 
I think I kind of already said earlier for me, like the takeaway is thinking about what does, you know, this idea of Sabbath, of rest and everything that God wants it to be, like what does it kind of look like for us? Um, Yeah, so I find it helpful for wrestling because, like, I don't know, in one sense Sabbath is really easy but it's also really not. Mm. (laughs) Like it's a simple concept but it's really hard to kind of put into practice because it's so countercultural for us. Yeah. Um, And it's so countercultural for uh, certainly at least the early Jews coming out Mm. of slavery. It would have just Mm. been so bizarre for them. Um, But, yeah, like this is clearly telling us that it's something that God cares about and that Jesus cares about. Um, Like I'm not sure what it means when he says the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath, but he's clearly making an important point about its, like, value and significance so yeah I think just thinking about you know what what does what does that idea of rest and how that shapes my identity and my relationship with God like what does that look like yeah yeah and I mean we didn't really talk about um the sentence before that one but um you know Jesus answering them with the response of well well David went and ate the the sort of um the the consecrated bread because he was hungry <laughs> uh, and like as humans we have physical needs and so that's that's the same reason they were um they had um they grabbed grains of of wheat or whatever it was um and and ate them because they were hungry and that's they needed to eat and that was part of their the culture that the the perimeter you know we won't go into it but the perimeter of the the Greenfield was up for grabs. Basically, if you were hungry, you you grabbed some. That was their, part of their generosity. But um, yeah, that's another thing. Uh, it is now quarter past, so I'm going to finish that thought because it's a whole other mm-hmm. discussion that we will save for another time. Can uh, I pray, Andy? You can definitely pray. Yes. Awesome. Cool. I'm going to pray. Lord and heavenly Father, you have brought us safely to this new day. Keep us by your mighty power. Protect us from sin. Guard us from every kind of danger. And in all we do this day, direct us in the fulfilling of your purpose. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us. Uh, We'll be back uh, next week as well. We'll be continuing this through uh, this lockdown. I think Dan's about to get up for his press conference this afternoon, so we'll find out what's actually going on. But uh, I hope you'll join us next week and let us know in the comments or send us uh, a message on Facebook or wherever else uh, about this time slot. Does 12.45 to 1.15 work? Is that your lunch break? Is it too early, too late? Um, Yeah, we sort of just picked this time because it worked for the three of us. But, um, yeah, it's up for grabs. Also, if you have any better suggestions for a name uh, other than Bible breakfast but at lunchtime, (laughs) uh, please let us know that as well. Uh, Catherine, thank you. Ella, thank you. It's been a pleasure to read the Bible with you. 